I had a, I told you I had a job interview. So yes, yes. How did it go? I think it went really well. I hope. At the end of the interview, he was like, "Well, I want to bring up one more thing because I saw it on your LinkedIn," and I was like, "Fuck, what's on my LinkedIn?" <laughs> oh like, no! I'm like, "Uh oh, what did I put on there?" My LinkedIn's pretty, pretty just work related. And then he was like. You have as one of your skill keywords self-defense. And I was like, well, I left that on there. Okay. <laughs> he was like, if you don't mind telling me, um, what martial arts styles have you studied? And I was like, oh, you wanna oh, you just wanna geek out at me about martial arts. So oh, we did. We geeked out about martial arts for like five minutes at the end of the interview. That's awesome. Yeah, he he like David was like, oh, he just wants you to beat him up. And I was like, no, he's a nerd. He wanted to talk to me about his favorite weapon forms. <laughs> he just wants you to beat him up. Bonus, bonus experience. Ooh. This is a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games. We are queer women speaking with authority about games. Hell yeah, we are. And yes, we swear. Dime, Dime about, about it. it. I'm Monica. I do a lot of stuff professionally. <laughs> I do a lot of stuff professionally. But you might check out your LinkedIn for more on what you do <laughs> and your self-defense techniques. My self-defense my self-defense tag on my LinkedIn may have just gotten me a job. But you might also know me as the Exalted Essence Mechanical Developer. I'm Ray. I also do just a lot of things. I got my hands in a lot of pies. Mostly I work on uh setting and adventure design. Here I am. Here you are. Both I and Megan talked about how great you were on the dev list. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, w I would love to expand that into more fiction right now. I mean, it's great to be able to say, like, yeah, I do like I do setting and adventure design because that's I love doing that. But, you know, my heart lies in fiction and I've only done like one bit of fiction like forever ago. <laughs> 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 Let me do fiction. Uh. All right. So what, like last week? You discovered who Ron Edwards is? Oh, God. Yeah, um, just yeah. last week. Yeah. yeah, I think it was just last week. Yeah, so so here, here we are. <laughs> yeah, I was so blessed to never have known this man. I'm kind of surprised that you didn't, but welcome. Mm. <laughs> so we're, we're going to talk about what the fuck is a traditional game anyway. What does that have to do with the fact that I just learned who that guy is, though? Um, Are because we his, connect whole, those? his whole thing that made you so mad was about how they're terrible. How, how traditional games are terrible. Pretty much. That's right. Well, I mean, that's putting it in a really... That's a very charitable reading of Mr. Edwards' work. It is. <laughs> he had a lot more to say than just, hey, I don't like these games. Right. I would rather not focus on him at all, but, the, but you reading <laughs> that terrible thing... Is the inciting incident that got us here. Yes. Because it sparked a really great discussion on our Discord about what is a traditional game anyway. And then we were like, well, should we do an episode about it? And everyone was like, yeah, of course. All right. Well, here we are. Here we are. So do traditional games deserve all the derision heaped upon them? But I do sort of see poo-pooingness 
from other people on like the the RPG Twitters and other discourse and even sort of a lingering thing from when I used to hang out a long time ago, a glacial age when Google Plus still existed. I still saw sort of people being like mm, a traditional game. Mm. Mm. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about what this means. Yeah. OK. Um, yeah, I'm for it. OK. Monica. Yes. What the fuck is a traditional game? Oh, God. How, okay. how do you even break that down? All right. Well, let's... I'm Okay. I'm going to say traditional games basically have the following essential components. And please note that these are really broad categories. My favorite kind. Yeah. So one, all traditional games have remaining strands of war game DNA. Two, all traditional games to some degree assume gameplay lasts for an extended period of time. Three... Traditional games place a focus on goal-driven growth. Four, uh, traditional games core systems usually cover more than one topic in notable detail. And this is like the really long one. And then I have a last one at the end, which we'll talk about a little bit more, too. Which is, which is like the least important one, so I tacked that one on at the end. But there is also a fifth point, which will be a surprise for the end of the episode. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to drag Ray along with me on this journey of definitional exploration. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I'm strapped in. Let's do this. All right. So first of all, what do you mean by they all have remaining strands of board game DNA? What, okay. What's okay. board game DNA? All right. So we all know from our previous episode that 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 most role playing games descended from war games the way pugs descended from gray wolves. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which yeah, yeah, which yeah. does make it sound sort of like a qualitative description, but it's not. Just like this one very different thing became this other adorable new thing. <laughs> <laughs> so like if you have never played a war game, like it is a competitive thing, two people are are playing armies or units or a group of heroes or whatever but you have a whole bunch of units on the table and you are usually competing over objectives in more modern design or in historical design you are actually using strategies and trying to recreate famous historical battles and and you basically are like this is the the french and indian war au where the indians win oh shit okay <laughs> sorry i should have said natives i meant i was referring to like the title of the thing no i got you yeah Right. anyway so, anyway so like the they often involve things like depending on the type of game they involve things for like formations and, and whatnot and, or some are more focused on like accomplishing certain objectives but it is one person versus the other person using some degree of like complex decision making to win i enjoy them <laughs> yeah there's nothing wrong with a war game yeah no it's just a completely different kind of game right so if your role-playing game has rules for cover Considers how far your character can move. Maybe concerns itself with making attacks from a certain position. Does it care about the difference between running, flying, and swimming? Does it assume that violence will break out at any point? Maybe even necessitate such a thing? Does it have different rules for vehicles and people? What about fighting big groups of people? And how much importance does it place on randomization? And does it sort of put a little bit of competitiveness between the enemies and the players? <laughs> um. If you answered yes to most of these questions, you might have a traditional game. <laughs> Talk to your doctor. <laughs> See if narrative gaming is right for you. <laughs> um, so let's... Well, you, you were hmm as I was saying all these things. 
Um, because those are strands of wargame DNA. Like some games have all of them and some yeah. games only have a couple. <laughs> so let's let's talk about some good examples of games that are pretty obviously traditional and some games that actually have some of these elements that might surprise you. As in a good game or here's a solid example. Here's a solid example. Because obviously D&D. Oh, obviously D&D. Duh. Obviously. <laughs> nope. You had me at does it care about the difference between running, flying and swimming? Right. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, like D&D is, of course, the core example of the, the role playing game that perhaps retains a ton of its war game DNA, because that's where it, it, the, the, the direct line of a descendancy is right there. <laughs> yeah, man. Like it's it's been pretty recently that they even suggested, oh, you might not use minis while playing this game. Right. Right. Like fourth edition was like, you need minis on a battle map. Yeah. And I don't think that's a qualitatively bad choice. No, no, I'm just saying that it's, I mean, that, when you say war game, my Mm -hmm. first, my first instinct is, oh, something that uses minis and like a battle map of some kind. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Like that's a war game to me. Everyone who ever said to me that fourth edition is a board game or an MMO can eat my entire ass. It's not. It's a war game. It's a lot of war game. It's more like a war game than anything else. Please go fuck yourselves. Um, so, <laughs> please, please, I'm begging you. So, um, actually, I, I was reading through Blue Rose, and I was like, "Wow, this is a traditional game." Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, really. Like, Blue Rose has weapon tables, my love. Like, oh. just, just like I opened a chart, and it was like, "Oh, here's the equipment table." <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, I believe it has rules for cover. It like gives a shit about called shots and stuff. Like it's got oh a real boy. crunchy. It's real fucking crunchy. I was oh alarmed. boy. Um, <laughs> I still want to play it. Don't get me wrong. I, I feel like the next step in that reaction chain would would be my reaction to opening Shadowrun for the first time. Oh God, the previous yeah. edition, whatever right. edition it is now, I haven't even honestly. I haven't given it a shot, which maybe is. I hurt. hear the current one's terrible. So. Oh God! The fir- the one the last edition was like I opened it up and it was just like charts referencing charts referencing charts and and I it's infamously the only like game book that I've returned to the store because I was like this is not for me this is not my game. <laughs> so my favorite unpopular opinion is that like actually PBTA games are kind of traditional games. Sorry. Oh really? Why do you say that? Uh, well, well, maybe we should put maybe we should put a pin in that and talk about it that at the end after I've defined all the points. Oh okay. Well then, let's get on to the next point. You say traditional games assume that gameplay will last for an extended period of time. Do you mean like campaigns? Yes, I definitely mean like campaigns. I don't mean like we'll play for four hours. No, I mean like a campaign. Oh, and by the way, the term campaign comes from more games. So, oh, well, yeah, no shit. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, war right. campaign. Yeah, right, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the sound of me just now putting that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, like a campaign where you would, like, play through your historical war game simulation and you would, like, play through the Battle of Waterloo for the next two weeks, you know? Right. like The war campaign. The war campaign. That's where that comes from. So do you ever feel like you just don't have the energy for a role-playing game campaign? Uh, like uh, you, like you can't all the fucking time. Like you can't keep up running a game for more than three sessions. Then you probably have only ever encountered traditional games, which still having a genetic bond with war games assumes some degree of campaign play. Imagine that. Mm. Mm. Uh, but just to for a counter example, consider games like Lasers and Feelings or Starcrossed, both wonderful games which are meant to be played in a single session, convey a very particular experience, and then be over. <laughs> 
And so I would not consider that traditional at all. Okay. All right. So let's contrast that to Exalted 3rd Edition, or literally any version of Dungeons & Dragons, or Uh even... Which which are two games designed literally to be played for decades, or even Blades in the Dark, which is meant to be played over and over and over again. That's like, true. You are, you are meant to play that for an extended period of time. A one shot of Blades is true. sort of unsatisfying. A one shot of Blades, you have to like, you have to kind of curate your character creation and crew creation. Because yeah. there's a lot yes. of options that are, oh, between jobs, do this. But right. when you have downtime, do that. Right. And Blades uh, and clocks and stuff. Blades assumes campaign play. This sort of campaign play design is very traditional, which is not a value judgment. Again, it just is what it is. And I had never considered extended period of time to be a traditional game thing. But again, it makes sense. The whole war campaign versus game campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Do we want to do our mid-episode break real quick before we jump into the back half of the episode? Yeah, okay. Bonus Experience is a part of the Misdirected Mark Network. Bing! If you like what what we're doing, you can support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash bonus experience. Right? Yeah. Did I do that right? You did do that right. Yeah! Even a dollar gets you access to really cool shit that we do pretty frequently now that we're working from home. Yeah, Uh, we've been doing live quarantine hangouts. Uh, That's really the big thing. (laughs) We do extended I mean, cuts of every episode. We used to only do that like once every blue moon. Now it's like every other week. Like, you want to just do this one live yeah. like in the for the Patreon? And it's like, oh, yeah, OK. And we do extended cuts all the time. Yep. And we've been putting up polls for certain tiers on our Patreon for, oh, what should we cover next? And sometimes we just straight up just ask our Patreon channel in Discord. Like, hey, should we like this episode you're hearing right now is a direct result of us going, hey, should we talk about this instead? And people in the Discord going, yeah, OK. Yeah. So support us. Yes. Throw a dollar in there. And we also understand shit's cray cray right now. <laughs> it is. So if you can't donate, also, it's not like we're going to find you and hunt you down. We're just glad that you're listening. Yeah. And if you are facing that point where you're like, I don't have a dollar, which I don't have a dollar, leave us a review. Yeah. Reviews are a great way to boost our visibility on places like iTunes and Spotify. And mm-hmm. it gets us more listeners who potentially do have a dollar. So in a roundabout way, you're kind of giving us a dollar by doing that. Yeah, perfect. Right? Makes sense. Totally. My stuff from Nerdy Cathy arrived. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. Did you get a cool um, mask? I did get a cool mask. How did you know? Because I got a cool mask from Nerdy Cathy too. I got the uh, I got the floral print in uh, by Pride colors. Nice. It's my it's my going out mask. I'm accepting that it'll be a real long time before I feel comfortable not wearing a mask. So now I have my, fuck, I gotta go to the store real quick mask. And I have my, I'm gonna go out somewhere nice mask. (laughs) (laughs) My dress up mask. (laughs) I also got an unofficial Team Scion mug. It's -hmm. beautiful. Now I'm part of Team Scion. And we talk up Nerdy Cappy a lot for their like cool, gay, geekery stuff. I was also able to get in contact with Spider who basically runs Nerdy Kepi and, like, designs all their new shit and stuff. And I asked him, like, can I commission you to make a new thing? And now, because of that, there are donut prints on Nerdy Kepi. (laughs) You can get pride donuts. You can get stickers. You can get shoes. I think now, what, he said something about they're going to have bowling shirts? Yes. 
Nerdy Keppy's awesome. Please go to Nerdy Keppy. <laughs> N-E-R-D-Y-K-E-P-P-I-E.com. And plus, if you use code BXPCAST at checkout, you get 10% off everything, and that code never expires. Never expires. It is always good. You should also, if you like us and how much we talk about Exalted, listen to our collab show with Mage the Podcast, Hi Terry, and the story told, Hi Chaz, called The Systematic Understanding of Everything, which is explaining all of Exalted step by step in a, in a charming 101 way. Yeah, uh, that is. I believe it, it is exaltcast.com. And honestly, it kind of like it gives me like warm, like Freedomstone nostalgia feelings. Oh, yeah, that was that was a passion project that was born out of trying to get my friends up to speed on Exalted. Oh, yeah. Much in the same way that systematic understanding of everything is doing. So we're, we're going to I like it. The systematic plan is to get like all the big topics out of the way and then have like a bunch of people on for a bunch of like guest episodes and then have it be like this this like i don't know 20 episode short run and then be done so it's a prestige podcast it's a prestige podcast which got started because terry was like monica and chaz do you want to do a 101 exalted podcast to teach me how to be good at exalted and we were both like do you want to produce it and he was like yeah and we were like all right cool (laughs) so (laughs) terry's pretty cool you should be in on maze the podcast not only because it's Terry's podcast and Terry's a cool guy, and also it's about Mage the Awakening, which is that's that's it's about Mage called. the Ascension. Mage the Ascension. I'm sorry. Um, I don't Very know different. shit about Mage. I don't know shit about Mage, which okay. is impressive because Terry still had me on Mage the podcast. <laughs> Listen out for a future episode with me, Ray, talking about world building as it pertains to a game property that i don't know a whole lot about <laughs> so it was it was still i had a blast terry's a really good guy we had a, a lot of fun talking about world building and uh yeah but um for a show that's actually like on our network yeah you should also listen to gnome cast several gnomes from gnome stew get together to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and avoid being thrown in the stew what's gnome stew like uh it, like kind of gamey yeah it's like a it's 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 like pandas and bxp if it were more about like general <laughs> stuff and less about like the two hosts talking about one topic in weird excruciating detail i knew that you were gonna take it the literal way when i was asking what would it be like to have a stew with gnomes in it oh you meant you meant like literally the stew yeah, like not they about the, tough and the chewy? show i'm sorry my <laughs> anyway it's twelve. No, it's, it's twelve forty. We have three so more topics. Charming. <laughs> oh, okay. And now back to our show. Monica, yes. What does it mean to have a focus on goal-driven growth? So this is a very roundabout way of saying leveling up, but like, don't take that literally. It's any kind of character advancement, which could be spending XP on more dots in a White Wolf game, um, which is just as much goal-driven growth as reaching level ten in D anD D or leveling up your playbook. Traditional games put a lot of focus on your character getting stronger and acquiring more abilities over time. You grow, and the challenges you face will grow with you. Uh, Everything you do in the game is to gain experience, or, or, you know, whatever the fuck the game calls it, uh, that allows you to do- Advancement points. Advancement, yeah. That allows you to do more things more better. Like, that's- that's, (laughs) You you surely are familiar (laughs) with this phenomenon. I want to do more things more better. (laughs) I don't- how does I get more stronger? 
I like here's a good example. Apocalypse World and Blaze of the Dark still do this. Yeah, they still have yeah, there's an yeah, it's, again, it's not a bad thing. In fact, I kinda like being having these things to to work towards. Like, oh I wanna unlock that move on my playbook. Yeah, yeah. Or like, oh I can't wait to buy that charm. I'm so excited to get it. Like that this I wanna level up and get this new feat or whatever. Like that that's cool. That's fun. By the same token, non-traditional games usually tend to convey a very particular experience, and the growth or change that you might go through is transformative or experienced. It's not necessarily codified into bigger numbers on your sheet. Oh, okay. Let's use Senda's Turning Point as an example, a counterexample, rather, which is literally a game about making a hard decision. So, like, your character or whatever you're playing in that game is has to make a hard decision and is going to grow or change because of it. Like, that's the point of the game. And so when you make your turning point and you make your hard choice and whatever that does to impact you emotionally is not a level up, but it is growth. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 That kind of I, I'm trying to think of it as because I'm thinking now of like video games. Right. Because most of the video games I play have some sort of a goal driven growth like right. oh you unlocked this new skill or you mm -hmm. have this new ability or you have this loot now and trying to think of games that don't have that and i'm coming up on like animal crossing mist like weird like animal cross animal crossing animal crossing is actually very good yeah instead of it being like you got this new ability you just learn new things yeah you learn personally you learn new ways to interact with your environment that mm -hmm. like a uh, like puzzle games like mist or like the witness where you don't get skill points mm -hmm. you personally the player learn how to navigate that environment or how to interact with oh in a, phoenix right way phoenix right yeah a lot of visual novels probably have the same like you just learn personally you learn information on how to interact with it as opposed to it being something mechanical yeah yeah okay <laughs> okay so you also said what did you say that core systems cover more than one topic yeah this is a sort of a bad way to write this and i should have redone it but whatever do you mean do you mean like they aren't laser focused on a single experience yes or story theme is exactly what i mean <laughs> so like much. an umbrella game yeah okay so this is this is like a that is a really really wide umbrella but y'all never notice how a lot of games want to have the investigation system the social system the combat system the crafting system the mass mm. combat system the, na the 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 naval combat system and so on and so forth yeah focusing on all these things as being entirely different or needing their own robust subsystems is a hallmark of traditional design please spend a moment imagining what bluebeard's bride might, might be like if it had a crafting subsystem <laughs> uh, so many games just don't need a crafting they system. They know they don't. And then the ones that don't have one, people are like, where's the crafting system? Like, like D&D doesn't have a crafting system, but everyone wants to know, well, how do I make a magic sword? You fucking don't. This doesn't of all the systems D&D has. You really want to add crafting? So this is uh, so this is a really big umbrella. And like, yeah, actually, it's one of the cases where D&D doesn't really do this. It's just a combat system. Yeah, and then a skill resolution system, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. spellcasting. That's its other weird little subsystem. Oh, I hate... It's terrible. It's, it's terrible, yeah. but it's still yeah. there. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's still there. Right. And so, like, it's basically just those three. So I, I, I wrote that, and I was like, oh, my white wolf is showing. <laughs> my onyx path is showing. <laughs> but, like, not, onyx path and white wolf games are not the only type of traditional games that are like here's four different subsystems in the same book that are going to cover everything you might possibly want to do in a game and actually fate which is still a traditional game 
basically says all these things are resolved the same. Yeah, fate can have subsystems. And the fate toolkit explains how to do how to make these subsystems if you desire to have them in your game. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, a lot of examples on how to build a magic system into your fate game. Mm-hmm. But out of the box, fate doesn't have any of that. Fate assumes that you're going to use the exact same system in every single conflict and encounter, right. which is honestly like I, I respect that. <laughs> so to to counterpoint my own example, D&D and fate, both of which are all like, it's basically just this one system. Use it for whatever. Uh, even though D&D is like, it's a combat system, stop trying to cram other things into it. And Fate is like, actually, it's a really good general system. Do with it as you will. Mm-hmm. So you have these two things that both are like, same system for everything. Shrug, PBTA, same. Yeah, yeah. All of these things also assume that characters will do all these other things. <laughs> like, Fate still assumes that there will be like, social encounters that will need to be overcome, or perhaps an investigation scene where you might have to hunt down who the murderer is and that you're also going to perhaps get into a fight. And so like the assumption that characters will do sort of everything on this broad scale, I think is pretty traditional as opposed to, hey, I'll just go back to Bluebeard's Pride because I just made a joke about that, which is literally about (laughs) playing this one very particular experience. Well, I don't know. I would push back against fate assuming anything about your game. I think the only assumption fate makes is that you have a game. Right. And but by being but by virtue <laughs> like of you fate, don't even have to have like characters, really. But, yes, you do. How else? What are you going to do with fate without characters? Well, I mean, in the sense of, uh, OK, let me walk that back. Fate doesn't assume that you will have individual sentient people. That's as fair. Your character. True. You could you could play a really weird high concept fate game. You could play a fate game where like everyone is a nation or a linguistic concept. Like fate makes really no assumptions beyond the fact that like. You you have a game, and I mean I mean I think that's it. <laughs> like right. So um, someone on t- I did the the d- designer AMA, and someone on Twitter was like, oh, "You called D and D fighting in math. What other games would you break down by those principles?" And then listed Fate as one of the examples. And I called Fate a masterclass in general system design. Yeah, because it yeah. fucking is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, as you just pointed out, you could totally use Fate to play a game where everyone is the concept of a nation or just a concept. <laughs> yeah. But that's because that's because it's I'm, basically I'm like just expanding a, my own brain over here now thinking about it. But that's because it's literally just a core engine still pretty rooted in a lot of traditional design cuz a bunch it touches on a bunch of the other points that I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. That like basically just says any scenario you have is valid, here are the tools. Yeah. And like there you go. <laughs> but it's but like but compare it to like dread. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Or or 10 candles. 10 candles, yeah. 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 These are very specific themes, very specific concepts and even specific genre of like dread and 10 candles are both about an inevitable terrible thing is going to happen. Right. And these and the mechanic of pulling blocks out of a Jenga tower or waiting for candles to blow out are basically just timing mechanisms. Yes, pretty much. You couldn't play a D&D game using Dread. You couldn't. You could play a very focused version of Dread where the players are doomed adventurers in a dungeon and when the last when the Jenga table c- collapses a party member dies or disappears or you s- are currently facing diminishing resources, but then that would still be just like 
a D and D themed. Horror. I think we just figured out how to put how to make Darkest Dungeons a tabletop role playing game. I think we did. <laughs> Remember that overconfidence is a slow and insidious killer. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, oh, my the last, last point. point. The secret Placing last point. The secret. The secret last point. Placing an importance on randomization. Yeah, this is also kind of like the least important point. Because randomization is present in lots of games. And what do I mean by randomization? I mean a die roll, a card flip, rock, paper, scissors. Anything that changes the outcome from being agreed upon to being random. Sure, you can do, you can do a lot of things where you're like, oh, the, the relationship mechanic in this game is not based on randomization. If two characters want to fall in love, they have to have a discussion about why that is out of character. Which is still a mechanic, my friends. Mm-hmm. It's just not randomized, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if you're if you, the rules of your game are like two players who want to engage in a romance have to agree out of character and consent to it. Guess what? That's your rule. That's your mechanic. But it's not randomized. No one has to roll to fall in love. Is basically what that says. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And the uncertainty of randomization is really fucking fun. It creates uncertainty, and that's enjoyable to engage with. Consider how many people like and unfortunately get hooked on gambling. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just because a game has an element of randomization doesn't necessarily qualify it as a tra- traditional game. I played in the playtest for Galileo Games' Art of Power, which I don't think is out yet. I'm not sure. But that like was very much purely a game about collaborative narration. But mm-hmm. there was a whole thing about like it's about privilege and power and having power over people. And so part of that, it was like a wagering mechanic where to get someone to do something, you basically clashed. And if you had greater privilege, you have more power to bid. And then there was like a card flip that determined who won the outcome, weighted by your wager. So there's still a randomization element there, but it was literally used to build tension between two characters, not to like determine if we beat the monster. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, like, that randomization element created tension, but it, I wouldn't call Art of Power a traditional game. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, but, but, but TLDR, we like rolling dice, all right? <laughs> yeah, we like the math rocks. Yeah. If the ideas of, like, critical hits or dramatic failures really matter, or the idea that misses or hits determine the way your scenes go or progress from one to the other, then you've probably got yourself a traditional design. Well, Monica. Yeah. Thank you for teaching me about traditional games. You're welcome. This is I've been putting this definition together for a while now. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Now I have a little more of now I have even more authority to talk about games. Thank you. You're welcome. You've only made me stronger. Good. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to be a traditional game stan on Twitter because everyone thinks you suck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the struggle. Oh, so so PBTA being a traditional game. Let's let's put this little bow on it. Okay, quick. Right, real quick, because there's an importance on randomization uh, because yes. your characters level up, um, and yes. because it it occasionally assumes violence. Not all, not all of them, but a lot of them. And what was my last one? Gameplay lasts for an extended period. Gameplay of time. lasts for an extended period of time. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Plays in the dark too. Interesting. I'm intrigued. And I'm looking forward to all the spicy hot takes and everyone adding you on Twitter. No one's going to at me on Twitter because nobody gives a shit. So 
The people who listen to our podcast surely do not. I mean, the people who listen to our podcast will probably argue with me in the Discord, which is fine. That's okay. If you want to argue with Monica in the Discord, how to? I think there's a link on our Twitter. I don't. I don't remember. I think I don't. <laughs> when this episode goes out, I'll be sure to update the Twitter with. Here's how you can argue with Monica. Sure. <laughs> in the meantime, you can find our show at bxpcast.com. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I haven't updated the website in yet. In a long time, yeah. It's been a what? Listen. Yeah. The economy. Yeah. <laughs> we're part of the Misdirected Mark network, though. Bing. And you can go to the Misdirected Mark website for uh, updates on our new episodes if you don't have our, if you're not subscribed to us on iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or Podlistener or Podcaster or Catlistener or Catcaster or whatever your podcast attribute or your podcast deck. Yep. So uh, <laughs> you can go to misdirectedmark.com and click on the BXP icon. <laughs> Thanks for yes ending me. You're welcome. Um, Monica, what about email? Where can they they email can shoot us? us an email at bonusexpcast at gmail.com. And our Twitter, as always. You can add is... us angrily at bonusexpcast. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Monica, where's your Twitter? My Twitter is at zenithsun. And you can send her a spicy take. Please don't. My Twitter is Ray W. Cole. Got rid of that underscore. Yeah, it's been a while now. Yeah. I'm, fi- I'm having fond memories of the underscore. Okay. I'll remember the days. Everybody get out. All right, we gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go to brunch. You have a date. I have it with my mother. And everybody change it if you change want to. Change it if you want to. Change it if you want to. Maybe make it a less traditional game. I don't know. It's up to you. Or make it more traditional. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Do it. Fuck do the haters. It. Fuck the haters. Do it makes you happy. Do I have to do this? Ugh, fine. Bonus Experience is written and produced by Monica and Ray. And edited by Margaret. Our logo and art is by Nino Studios. Find her on Facebook and Instagram. Our theme song is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK and is used under the attribution non-commercial Creative Commons license. BXP is part of the Misdirected Mart Network. Uh, I'm not reading this. Fuck it. Bye.